Welcome back to a brand new bonus episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brendan Carrion. Today, I am joined by Matthias Fredrickson of Red Moon Roleplaying in what was supposed to be week two of Colt Month in May, and then due to some uh, file shenanigans on my part, is now going to be in June. So here we are. We're, we're, we're very happy to have you on. Matt, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's it's great to be on Full Metal RPG, kind of again, but for the first time for the <laughs> listeners, because I'm a big fan of what you guys do and love listening to the conversations that you're having. I feel like we're really on the same wavelengths on a lot of uh, different issues and like likes and dislikes, so really cool to be on the show. Uh, well, dude, it's super, super awesome to have you, and uh, like you were alluding to, and I think that listeners, like long-time listeners should know, that we recorded an episode like months and months, maybe like a year ago or something. It feels like and it. And then just, yeah, it's been a while, and then due to like, uh, to me and my disorganization and uh, lack of follow-through in certain regards... Uh, it just, we just never managed to get it on the air. It was always like something that was in front of us. And then, uh, with cult month coming up, we were like, okay, well let's actually, you know, put this thing together and make it happen. And then I couldn't find the files. (laughs) So, uh, here we are. It's the second time, first time, but, uh, you know, when you very first reached out to me months and months ago, I was just like blown away that you even knew that we did the show because I mean, I love Red Moon role playing. I mean, I listened to uh, so much of um, of uh, Black Madonna, your uh, your your KDL um, your KDL actual play. Uh, it's just, it, it, and I agree. I feel like we're on the same wavelength. So it's so I'm so happy to have you in the same room, so to speak. Definitely, I feel very much the same, and it's uh, it's really cool to hear that you've uh, been listening to what we've been creating. Um, it's really awesome that there's an audience that uh, that likes the kind of darkness that uh, that we like to create. Yeah, so let's just kind of get like right into that. So first of all, can uh, you just go ahead and like maybe introduce yourself to our listeners if they're not familiar with your show, kind of like who you are and like what you're into. Sure, definitely. Um, so um, if we start with myself, uh, Matthias, I am. Living in Japan, I've been living here for uh, the last, what is it, 12 years? Feels like uh, a very significant part of my life, at least. Um, and um, it was two years ago that uh, me and a couple of friends uh, decided that we were going to take a stab at this whole actual play thing. Uh, because that was how I came back into the hobby. I've been away for a super long time because of, you know, university and work and all that stuff. It kind of tends to pull you away from it. Um, but then actual plays started popping up and you could again like experience the hobby and I had built up all these barriers that uh, were preventing me from creating something. I wanted it to, to be perfect when we p- finally play it again, but I listened to actual plays and like just felt like, man, I could totally do this again. It's it's easy. Um, and it was cool to be able to experience it in, in, in um, the busy you know, schedule that you have as, a, as, as an adult because you don't necessarily have time to do these like six hour sessions with your buddies in the weekends anymore. Um, so being able to like listen to someone play through a, a famous, uh, you know, module for Dungeons and Dragons, for example, while you're doing the dishes was, uh, was really a, a lot of fun. And, um, what I felt though was that a lot of the, the content out there tended to go very much like it focused on the humor and it focused on the, the sort of atmosphere around the table. And, you know, you're sitting there with your buddies, you're, you're having fun, you're, you know, drinking beer, having uh, snacks. Um, but, 
not so many sort of embraced, um, like really the, like really tried to immerse themselves in the characters and in the adventure and really tried to embrace the darkness, especially in some of the horror modules that are out there. I mean, if you listen to most Call of Cthulhu actual plays, for example, it's, it's a lot of laughing, which is fine, you know, but what we wanted to do was we wanted to, to do something, especially for horror games, where we actually really immersed ourselves into the characters and really kept it serious. We stayed serious. We don't, we didn't let the meta talk and, and, uh, all this other stuff get, uh, in the way between the listeners and the scenario. At least that's what we've, uh, been attempting to do, uh, over these, uh, last two years. And I, I hope we've been, uh, somewhat successful with that. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are enjoying what we're doing, uh, that we're different from many others out there. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun because it's, it's the perfect excuse to play tons of role-playing games is running a podcast, you know, because you got to put the content out there. So <laughs> you don't have to, like, get your friends to, to open up time for it. You, you have a commitment, you know, to the listeners. So it's amazing, man. I, I get to play so many role-playing games now, so much more than I could, uh, could, could have ever played before. Yeah, and I mean, I just kind of want to touch on a couple of those points because, um, first of all, uh, like, when... Red Moon started, it was it was KDL, Cult Divinity Lost. And I kind of thought it was going to be like a Cult Divinity Lost podcast. And the, so your, the first adventure that you did was KDL. And then you guys went right into uh, Curse of Strahd. And I was like, oh, well, hey, that's cool. It's still, it's still horror, um, but it's like a different take. It's a different take on like Dungeons & Dragons actual play. And now at this point... Uh, two years in, you guys have so many different uh, like flavors of role playing you guys can listen to. I mean, I was going through your back catalog, and uh, you guys have. I mean, why don't, you, why don't you tell us what what it is that you have? Well, yeah. So uh, we we really wanted to um, to give some love, especially to to some of the the smaller games that are not getting as much attention. Um, but but. Try to still stick to the ones that are, are sort of relatively like, relatively serious. So we've been uh, recently we've been doing um, um, been doing Vampire, uh, which of course is not necessarily a small game, but uh, we've been doing that. We've had uh, Matthew Dawkins on to lead us through some fantastic stuff from uh, uh, from Onyx Path. You know, playing some Scarredlands and uh, They Came from Beneath the Sea, which are both uh, really cool games. Um, then we've we tried to reach out to a lot of creators in the community. Like uh, we had Robin Laws on to uh, to run us through. Uh, one of his gumshoe games, uh, Fear Itself. Uh, Cody Pondsmith came and did The Witcher for us. We had Jason Drawl doing uh, a Room Quest for us. And we had a bunch of Swedish creators, uh, like Robin, who um, who's the guy behind Cult that you uh, you had on the show a, a few weeks back. Um, he's run a cult uh, scenario for us, uh, Island of the Dead. Um, and then we've had... Uh, the guy uh, who does the the dark fantasy game Sumbarum, Matthias Jonsson, he was also uh, on, and, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been really cool to to be able to reach out to these people and to actually do things together. Um, because when you you have a podcast, it's sort of people can can open up their they can justify opening up their time. So it's for me, it's been really cool because I listened to all these guys before, um, and like finally being able to like play with them directly has been has been a tremendous a tremendous honor. 
Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, it's like an embarrassment of riches, first of all, just going through your back catalog, because one of the things that I use podcasts for is to sort of, like, vet new games that I want to try. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might be kind of getting, uh, like, that taste that you get in the back of your mouth when you want to go out and buy, like, a new, a new big, fat core book. Like, maybe I'm looking at Coriolis, right, at the game store. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not a, a small investment. It's like, it's, 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 it's going to be a sizable amount of money that I'm going to put into it. Then I'm going to have to read it and then I'm going to have to get people to the table and stuff. So it's like, I, I kind of want an idea of what it is that I'm going into. And, um, there's just so many games out there that are not being served by, by actual plays as everybody is kind of doing like rushing to do like D and D. And as you were saying, kind of like humorous D and D, you know, is kind of like the flavor of the day. Um, so being able to go on Red Moon and seeing all these great kind of like off the beaten path games and just kind of games with kind of darker tones, like more kind of shadow and grit. I mean, it's just super great. Like you guys have a Planescape actual play up right now. Is that right? We do. Yeah. We're uh, working together with, uh, uh, a podcast called uh, Black Spire RPG and uh, Adventure Hook too, uh, two good podcasts there. They, they were listeners of ours and we we really wanted to do Planescape and we found out that they have been playing a lot of Planescape. Um, and that's a, that's a setting for D&D that's, that's like a really interesting one, but it's not gotten that much love over the the last few, few decades. I mean, I, I was a huge fan of the Planescape Torment video game, for example. And for this, right, um, right. And for this actual play, actually, we reached out to Beamdog, who are putting out the enhanced editions. We asked, "Hey, can we use the soundtrack for Planescape Torment?" And they were like, "Yeah, cool, do it." Um, so we have the the soundtrack that we're using actually for uh, for uh, for that little uh, adventure that we're doing called uh, "To Beator and Back," which is uh, from the Well of Worlds supplement. So we're sort of really trying to dig into these these things that aren't done uh, in actual plays normally, um, and that ideally that no one has done uh, before. Um, and then, yeah. Putting I mean, focus that's on one of the things. That, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, that th- that is one of the things that really separates Red Moon from other podcasts too. Is the sort of um, dedication to the sound effects and to the soundtracks. And you guys have been just like unbelievably fortunate in how you've been able to like get like top level music on there and and uh and but, but i don't but i don't even understand the like the sound effects aspect of it like i mean so so between the soundtrack and the sound effects what goes into an episode like how does that all go um yeah so i mean the um the process basically of making it is that you know we record online which if you're thinking to do an actual play podcast, by the way, I really recommend it because it makes all the logistical stuff so much easier. People can just record from their home. You can do several sessions a week. It's not a big hassle to do stuff. Um, we just edit all the tracks together and then we have the, the basis of, of an actual play podcast. And this is what you will find most people having. Now, what we have then done is we, we've developed this relationship with uh, the label Cryo Chamber which puts out a lot of amazing dark ambient and drone. I mean, you should check them out on, on their YouTube channel because they have all their stuff up there and it's available on Spotify as well. And mm, they and make... Bandcamp also. They're also on Bandcamp, yeah. which I would highly recommend supporting them on Bandcamp. Definitely. But go ahead. Definitely. Yeah, you should definitely support them. And uh, the label is actually started by a guy called Simon Heath, who is an old role player himself. He uh, played Cult back in the day. Um, and... You can really feel that in the stuff that they're putting out because it's really adapted to use in, in tabletop. It's long tracks that has a similar sort of feel throughout. So you can really set the mood. 
because otherwise you always struggle with that when you use music if you're trying to use like cinematic scores and stuff where it just goes up and down you know you can't really keep the 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 the, the feeling that you want it gets in the way and that's why i think why a lot of people um avoid using music in in their games simply because it sort of gets in the way and, and makes them as a gm have to focus on like being a dj at the same time and that's hardly <laughs> ideal because that's not what it's really about um, that's so funny that you put it that way because in the 90s I had this rig right where I had like a CD player like a little CD player behind my screen with me and I would sit there and I'd like program the tracks that I wanted and then I'd just sit there putting them on repeat and I'd use like you said cinematic soundtracks um, but then you always get these kind of like like you were saying like stuff that's like up and down or something that will carry the tone for maybe three quarters of the song. But because the scene in the movie changes, then all of a sudden there's this like this really dramatic tonal shift, and you gotta be like futzing with the volume and shit like that while you're trying to play, and it's on a loop. You know what I'm saying? So if like the scene starts dragging in a way that you weren't necessarily predicting, like you know you might be doing like psychological warfare against <laughs> your players. You know? Yeah. Um, Tell me about it, man. So, like, uh, because so, we we um, we were, when we were playing fantasy um, RPGs, uh, the Swedish uh, old uh, Drakkar Demoner, for example, which is um, uh, the Swedish BRP um, game. Um, anyway, we we would use what this was this was back in the I think late nineties, early uh, aughts. This was before we had like access to big uh, music libraries, so we would use what we had, which at the time was the soundtrack from Gladiator. And there's an excellent <laughs> track on that uh, album, actually. Oh, there's yeah. the, the battle theme, the, the one in yep. the beginning, yeah, when the Romans are unleashing hell on, uh, on the, the, the Germanic tribes that they're fighting there. It's a really good track. It's kind of long, too. But uh-huh, imagine, like, uh-huh. sitting and listening to that same track on repeat for, like, an hour of, like, D&D <laughs> or, like, uh, you know, fantasy fighting. And it, it is, as you say, it is, like, psychological warfare. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I first of all, yes, I totally remember that. The Gladiator soundtrack. The thing about Gladiator is that it was always a little bit too bright, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I was always running Vampire uh, the Masquerade, and so I would run, like, a lot of um, the Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, uh, soundtrack and then Interview with the Vampire. Um, and then there's a composer th- who really saved my bacon was a was a fellow GM uh, by the name of Adam Norwood and I don't get to play with him anymore. He moved away. I hope he's listening to the show. Adam, if you're out there, props to you, bro. He put uh, he put me onto a composer called Arvo Part. Are you familiar with Arvo Part? Yeah, I remember seeing that name when I was looking for music. During university, I was like always trying to create these playlists for when we would finally play at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming across mm-hmm. that name. And it was, I think that is somewhat similar to like dark ambient-ish. It sort of <laughs> yeah. it works, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. He writes masses, but he's got like this really dark way of looking at the world. So everything is just like super just just dripping with this kind of like baroque sensibility. I mean, I still I still use him because his his shit's so it's so good and so transportative. But but really back to what you were saying, which is that Cryo Chamber, I mean, it has this music that is built essentially for this and now that is almost 100% what I use. Yeah, and and you do uh, you're doing a good thing doing that because it's there's so many different um, flavors that they have as well. I mean, if you want to do like when we play Coriolis, for example, there's uh, they've got uh, artists like Sable Sun and Alpha Zone that do this 
um, like sort of space drone uh, type music, which works great. And in, in, uh, when you want to set that that like atmosphere, create that atmosphere of being alone and exposed and in the darkness uh, between the stars. Um, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of different uh, stuff that you can use from there. I think that the one thing that they don't necessarily have is uh, great like battle music if you're looking for that. So um, usually that's yeah, Atrium Carceri has a little bit of stuff like that that will work, but that's mainly the only place that you might need to to look at getting something else in uh, but otherwise they got you covered for any kind of mood that you want but it's going to be dark that though is... i mean there's nothing happy on uh, cryo chamber no, <laughs> no no it's bleak i love it i love that label and those are all really solid recommendations by the way um so how do you guys do the sound effects like i mean it boggles me i was i have just been listening to your uh vampire the masquerade that you're doing with Martin Erickson. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I really feel like, because even in the Black Madonna days, the very first one that you guys did, there was like these great kind of tones and kind of like there were these very subtle sound effects that would help bring you into the story. Kind of like if you were listening to like almost a, an audio drama from uh, from the radio from like, like, like yesteryear, you know? Um, but I really feel like you guys have stepped it up like in the in the in the intervening time like the the level of detail that you guys have 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 you know embedded into the game is is i mean it's crazy uh what goes into that thank you thank you for saying that first of all uh, it really i'm really happy to hear that because we have um, actually tried to to take the things to the next level with No Man is an Island, which is our, our vampire uh, fifth edition um, um, chronicle uh, actual play that we're doing with Martin Erickson. Um, normally, what we would do in when it comes to sound effects is in the Black Madonna, for example, that I edited, um, generally speaking, the main sound effects I would add is like uh, the sound of a phone or I would make sure that when, when, when people are on the phone, the person that they're talking to, I would add like that phone filter so it sounds, yeah. uh, it sounds uh, li- like, yeah, it's a phone conversation that's happening. But other than that, I generally try to stay away from sound effects, mostly because I, I, I'm personally not that great at like digging into sound effects libraries and finding just the the, the right thing. And it, it can be quite time-consuming. It's time so time-consuming. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's super time-consuming. But we really um, are fortunate to have Yalmar on our team, who he plays Bjorn in, in the Black Madonna and is, is of course, a, you know one of the, the guys who, who started this. Um, and uh, he has a lot of passion for sound effects. Uh, like immense passion for it. So he will go into the sound effects libraries over at like freesound.org, for example. Um, and, and he will find, uh, the, just the right sounds that, that he wants to use. And he will cut them together and, and, you know, put a bunch of filters on it to make it sound, uh, really cool. And, uh, I don't, to be honest, I don't know how he does it, but right now it's, I'm, I'm, creating a normal episode with music and intros and outros. And then I give it to him for another pass. Um, he polishes it a little bit extra and then he puts in the, the sound effects. And I think he probably spends about as much time as I do on the, the main editing. Um, but that's really because we wanted this uh, particular actual play production to sort of be our, the biggest thing that we've done uh, thus far. And then of course, because we're, we're joined by Martin Erickson, we have a rather famous Swedish uh, writer and uh, uh, LARPer, Anna-Karin Linder, who's also joining us, really figured that this was a, yeah, this is the thing where we really wanted to shine. And I'm glad that it's, uh, that it's come through and, and I'm listening to it as well. And really, of course, love uh, the, the work that, uh, that Yalmer's put in the, to, to, to really make it sound like a professional audio drama. Cause you know, we're just, we're just three role players. We don't have any like education in this. We're just kind of figuring it out as we go, but uh, I'm glad people are liking it. 
Oh well, the the work like shows. I mean, you can definitely feel it. Um, I mean, how how many hours do you put into editing an episode? And you because you take out like all your die rolls and stuff like that, right? We and would, then and then you guys have to put in the sound effects and the music and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So we what we try to c- cut out is um, if there's any like rules questions or things like that that will mm. takes away from the flow because we want to protect the flow. We want it to, to sort of. F- feel the way that role-playing feels in your head, not the way that it sounds at the table. So we want that story that you're sort of creating when you're sitting there at the table that doesn't necessarily come across to um, a listener that's that's listening to the same thing happening. It, it, it's not as cool in a way. So we're trying to cut away all that stuff that's not really that necessary or key anyways. It's, I mean, I know some people are listening to actual plays to learn the rules, but there's only so many of the rules that you can really cover in an actual play anyway, so I don't know how educational it can actually be. So we try to cut out the rules questions we we do keep the role um and we say okay so what's the what's the result and then but we try to keep it really short you know we don't let the whole thing get bogged down in in that die roll which is what what happens in a lot of actual plays especially the uh, the guys who stream you know because they don't edit it um so whenever you have a die roll then things can can slow down a lot and uh that we feel takes away from that uh, uh that that flow that we want to create uh but but to your question there about how long does it take so well, I've looked at uh, the amount of time I'm spending currently, and in general, I would say it's about one hour of editing time for 10 minutes of content. Um, so every oh episode God. is like... Oh, uh, so brutal. Six, yeah, it's like six six hours, uh, I would say. And if you add a little bit of uh, uh, other prep, then you, know, you need to launch it. You got to encode it for YouTube and stuff like that. So it's like about eight hours per episode where we do our normal stuff. But now with uh, No Man is an Island, since... Yalmar does another round on top of that. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing we're probably hitting like 12 or 14 hours of, of work per episode. Uh, but, you know, we, we want to do it well uh, for, for, the, for the listeners. And uh, it, it's worth it. And it's a lot of fun. Well, what would you say has been like the biggest surprise to you about the show and about like... I mean, I want to keep it as vague as possible. I don't want to. I don't want to create a question that like answers itself. But what's been the biggest surprise to you over the last two years of doing the show? Um, I think the biggest surprise has been a very positive one, which is like just how cool this community is and just how cool the creators are. Because when when we get in touch with with people, I mean, we're a, we're a, we're still a small podcast. I mean, we're not by any means particularly big really uh we have a, a rather small listenership but that you know a lot of great uh and, and uh committed fans who, who love what we do um, but when you reach out to to companies when you reach out to creators they're so open to to like giving you their time to um to running a session online or you know we've been running sessions at conventions as well um and and just how cool these companies are to to small guys like us to to um it's this willingness to create things together and and to allow us to to do things um, you know using our 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 creative like what we want to do creatively and not not sort of getting in the way of that so much um like you know contacting chaosium for example and just immediately getting an answer and they're like oh that sounds cool let's do it um it was just like i thought that chaosium was this like huge company that's you know very distant and you would have to go through some like long thing with pr and and stuff like that before you could get anything done but these are just like most of the companies are just they're just fellow nerds like us you know they're just Mm -hmm. cool people who are making uh stuff that's you know and, and they just want people to enjoy it and and any chance they get to to show it off they they seem to be happy uh, about so in a way i'm surprised that not more people have uh, attempted to to do that because i think a lot of actual play actual plays tend to do things with their group and they try a lot of different systems perhaps but 
not always bringing um, the creators in so so often. So I think that's been the the biggest surprise, just how yeah, just how accessible people are um, when you actually have a podcast and you have something that you can yeah we can do something together. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that's like so um, like it, it's energizing uh, to feel that how low the barrier is between the um, interaction between the fans and the creators and that really um, there's not this huge gulf. And I know exactly what you mean about that feeling of like, Oh, well it's like chaosium. That must be these guys in like a building far away. And there's like papers and they don't have time for me and stuff. And I think that, you know, because, because we got into it when we were very young, you know, and uh, we, we kind of generated that, those ideas, but now that we're older and we're we're grown up and we interact with these guys, we realize, oh no, it's just it's just fellow creative people who want to interact with you and they want to. I mean, they want to create stuff too. Mm-hmm. We want to create stuff. They want to create stuff. I mean, it's it's it, it was it, it was just so trippy to me to meet Mark Reinhagen. You know what I'm yeah. saying? When I went when I, at at a uh, at a uh, Gen Con because I always had this idea like that Mark Reinhagen was over there and I'm over here, you know, but then you just you get sit down and talk to him and he's just a guy. He's just a guy. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's, it's so cool. Cause especially, uh, we, for example, recently now, um, recorded an episode with, uh, like an, a Swedish role-playing game industry legend, Anders Blixt, who made a lot of big games in the, uh, late eighties and early nineties. And, and he was this name that, you know, you would see in these modules when you were growing up. And it's like, oh, this is Anders Blixt. Oh, my God. This is so cool. And we were playing with him. <laughs> That's uh, like, awesome. We were playing with him yesterday, like doing an online session. We played a Traveler, actually. So another kind of smaller game, in a sense, that, that we that we uh, picked up. And, and yeah, we had a session with him. And, and it was just like... Like interacting with, with, with anyone, really. It was, it was fantastic. Really, really <laughs> happy. How are things going for you guys at the cons? Uh, I know that you guys do GothCon a lot. I know that you guys are like like down there uh, repping like hard all the time. I mean, are you guys at a spot where like you're getting recognized and people are like grabbing you for photo ops or what? Um, a little bit in, in uh, on GothCon at least. I think what's happened at the cons that we've been to so far is that we've been so focused on going there to record stuff. Like at this recent GothCon, we were there for three days and I think we recorded was it seven sessions uh so it was like 20 oh my 20 hours God. of role play <laughs> it was are it was, you serious yeah, yeah it was great so i mean basically most of the time we were sitting in a in a room uh, or it was specifically yalmer and craig because it's a little bit tricky for me to fly over from japan over to sweden um but uh but they were there and yeah they were they were mostly spending time with uh with them um uh, like creators we had uh the guys who created cult for example gunil and uh, michael they um GM'd us through the first convention adventure for Cult that uh, came out back in 91. So we reran that one. Um, and, uh, that was super cool. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of sitting in rooms and, and recording. Um, so we didn't really get out that much, uh, to be honest. But I think we should try that at some of the uh, upcoming cons and, and see, see what the reaction is. You know, if people are starting to recognize us or, or if we are still, uh, obscure and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you guys should just walk in wearing uh, uh, Ray-Bans, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just wear the Ray-Bans inside and, uh, <laughs> and, and like, walk in with your hands up in the air, you know, like a wrestler. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you should anyway. You guys got to come out to Gen Con sometime. You guys cool. got to tell me when you're going to be at Gen Con so we can all meet up. Um, what's uh, the, the reception that you guys have gotten from playing these kind of, like, off-the-beaten-path games? Like... 
who's listening what are they saying tell me how you feel um yeah like when we are doing these smaller games we notice that there is a lot of people who they really want content for the games but nothing's coming so for example we did Stormbringer, which is this, you know, Elric uh, RPG, yeah. basically. Awesome, man. I yes. love Michael Moorcock and those stories and the, those comic books, by the way, if you haven't checked those out, the new ones, amazing. Great way to experience what the Elric is all about. But anyway, so we play that game and like I couldn't really find any uh, actual plays of Stormbringer because no. it's it's an old game yeah. and it's, it's kind of obscure. But there are groups of people who are dedicated to this. If you go on Facebook, there are groups of, of people who are dedicated to Elric, um, the Elric RPG, and we're playing it still today. So when we create stuff for that, people are so excited and so happy that, you know, their little, you know, their baby's getting some love, uh, in a sense. So, yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been a tremendous, uh, really, reception to, especially those the smaller things that we're doing where where people are feeling seen and, and um, yeah, they're feeling like, their things is uh, finally getting some some love. So yeah, that's it's been great. And the, the comments that we're getting in general on, on the com- content that we're making is is almost uh, universally positive. I mean, people are just enjoying the fact that we do something that's a little bit different. And and I should also say here that you know come across maybe saying that I don't want to say that what we're doing is better in any way. It's different. I love the, right, the humorous right. stuff as well. I, I listen to a bunch of those shows, and um, they are super successful because what they do is really reaching through to, to a lot of people and is helping the, the hobby to grow. Um, and, and it's, it's enjoyable in, in, in its way. Uh, so we just want to, you know, provide well, something that's a little bit different, you know? I mean, here's the thing, like, and I think that maybe if, you know, if you don't mind me kind of taking up this, uh, this subject, I feel like there is an interesting kind of almost like a CSI effect that is coming at us from the, um, actual play scene I mean, like in at Gen Con in 2018, uh, actual plays like won the award for like RPG, uh, like like phenomenon mm-hmm. of the year or whatever. And uh, and I I think that to understate how much actual plays on any medium via uh, streaming, uh, YouTube. Uh, podcasts to, to to understate what they have contributed to the culture of role playing would be a huge mistake because in my lifetime it's never been more popular it's never been more acceptable etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But one of the things I've noticed is that when you go out into the community, people have kind of a strange idea of like what it's about, you know, and like kind of like you were saying the way that the camera is focused on the table when you are looking at these other these other types of podcasts and it's like it's like jokey and there's like these references and there's like a lot of banter and quips and double entendres and stuff like that and that is fun and and we're here to have fun and I'm glad people are having fun on the other hand I feel like people show up because they want to do that now they they, they show up cuz they want to kind of they kind of want to do this sort of like intensely social activity and then maybe if a story breaks out then they'll be part of that too and that's something that i've just encountered in like the public space of gaming so there's this part of me that feels like there needs to be like a little bit of pushback against that because i mean i i i role play for stories you know i i only role play with friends and i want to be friends with people who i role play with if, if i don't know you you know but at the same time like yo if the story is weak then what are we doing you know what i'm saying does that make sense 
Totally, totally. Yeah, and and you know, as as I said, I think one of the reasons why why we started Redmond role playing was because we wanted to show that there are other ways of playing and wanted to get actual plays out there that play in the way that I have grown up playing and that I enjoy playing, but haven't necessarily seen that much in the uh, in the actual play um, in the actual play community. It, it's just everyone is taking after the the big successful shows um, and and uh, and the style that they have. Um, and and uh, yeah, we we want to just make sure that there's people understand that role playing games can be can be something else. Also, it doesn't it doesn't have to be what Critical Role does. Um, that's that doesn't necessarily equal what role playing games uh, are. Um, and and hopefully get you know encourage people to to look at what's out there and to try and dare to try to play in different ways. And I think especially with the humor, it's it's so often used as sort of a shield between yourself and, and your character. You're sort of in a way creating a distance between what's going on and, and yourself as a player. You're not really allowing that immersion and bleed to happen. Um, and I think that personally, I think that that's a mistake um, because I think role-playing games for me has always been the most powerful when when that is happening, when you really feel like you are the character, you, uh, character and that you're really there in that moment, in that place uh, where, where the game is taking place. When you're allowing yourself to be exposed in a certain way, when you're when you're allowing yourself to kind of like open up your third eye or you're opening up your chest and you're really trying to just diminish that kind of membrane between the 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 the, the interior world and the exterior world, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so so let's kind of segue away from just the show a little bit. We've talked a lot about the show. Let's talk about some of your takes on role playing. Um, like. I really want to know kind of like what makes you tick, what uh, what really drives you. Um, let's start out kind of general. Like, uh, first of all, I mean, do you prefer to play or do you prefer to run? And then when you do, what are the games that are really pulling you in? Like, what are your like desert island faves that are just always going to be drawing content out of you you know what i'm saying the, the 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 hot stories where where do you where do you want to tell your stories um i think in general like my, my favorite place to play in is our world it is you know reality in a way and, and that's why cult divinity lost is so near and dear to my heart because there's no richer setting than our world here there's like the, the, you can work with all of history. You can work with all aspects of, of society and of culture. You can work with historical events. Um, and you can also know that when you use that kind of content, the players will, will have some connection to it already. They will, they will be able to relate to it in a much different way than is perhaps possible if you were, um, operating in a, in a game that is completely fictional. Uh, for example, if you if you want to make the Forgotten Realms really impactful, I think it can be done because there's a ton of content out there, but you have to also get all that through to the players. Like, how do you get them to read up and how do you get them to care about all these... Um, these different things that goes on in the in the in the, in the history of of, uh, of the realms, for example, like it's almost impossible to just even get the players to read the rule book, right? So how can you get them to get that kind of knowledge to to begin with? Um, and because if you can't do that, if you can't make the world like feel really rich, feel really alive, and 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 feel like it's it's real, then then I don't yeah then you, I don't feel like you can get the same kind of like immersion. Uh, that you can when when you're using uh, the the real world, 
So, um, yeah, Cult is a, is a game that's super uh, near and dear to my heart because of that. Um, I also like more setting heavy games that then also dares to, to be a little bit dark and dares to work in grayscales. Like Sumbarum was the game that brought me back in, which is, uh, Free League is, is creating that game, which is a, it's a dark fantasy game, deals with colonialism and, uh, and this like big evil dark forest. Um, that's, that's trying to basically stand against the forces of, of, of these colonizers who are coming. Um, and it's a really, really cool game with a very deep and rich setting that I really like digging into the setting stuff and trying to make that come across to the players as well. Make them feel like you are right now in a living, breathing place. And there are all these things that are going on behind the scenes that, you know, they're there. You don't have to know everything about them, but you, you feel like the, the place is, it's an actual place. It's not. It's not just uh, random, you know, generic fantasy land. It's. It's more than that. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of games that are close to me, I think Cult um, is the main one. I really like Simbarum, and uh, other than that, yeah, it's. I like a lot of other games too, but those would be the ones that are perhaps closest to me today, at least. So when you're getting down to either uh, play or to run, like say you're making a character, or you're writing a campaign, like kind of like walk us through kind of like the headspace that you get into and some of the the prep that you do, like uh, like what it is it that really um, lights your fire and gets you ready to just create like something immersive. Um, so first of all, um, I can also answer the question of if I prefer to be a player or, or a GM, and definitely it's, I prefer to be the GM because. When I get to be the GM, I get to do all this research because um, I love doing the research into the setting. So when we did the Black Madonna, I was watching movies about the siege of Leningrad, about uh, the perestroika and the fall of communism. Um, I was reading a whole bunch of stuff, everything that I could come across that described that era. I was listening to, you know, German music from that period, uh, Russian music from that period, really trying to get myself into uh, that headspace, trying to pick out events from the news that I could... That, that was from the news at that time that I could work into uh, the adventure uh, in, in various ways and like name drop just to get people to feel like, okay, this is where we are right now. Um, and and so that research phase is, tends to be very uh, heavy for me, for good and for ill. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it of course also makes the running of games become, uh, yeah, it becomes quite a large time investment. Um, I think it's worth it. But this is maybe one of the reasons also why I ended up with such a long break in, in playing um, before I got back into the hobby was just because I put I, I put rather high demands on myself with just how how real I have to make things, just how much uh, authenticity I have to put into to, into the setting. Um, and uh, yeah, then I, I tend to write a lot. I tend to write a lot of descriptions of places. I don't like to... Um, um, improvise those. I like to prepare those in advance. I think the interactions and what the players do, that's totally cool to improvise, but like really getting each location down. Um, how does it smell? How does it feel? What do you see? Um, getting that stuff prepared in advance uh, really helps, I think, the players to to do even greater things with, with you know, the, the story that we're creating. So I think that's maybe where most of my time preparing goes into. And that's awesome because the, the piece of advice I always give to new GMs, because people write me, they go like, oh, I listen to the show, I want to get into I want to get into role-playing. What's your advice? And the advice I always give is the setting is a character. The setting is an NPC. It's really a series of NPCs. Like each, 
scene that they're in is going to be a different NPC, and you need to give as much like love to the buildings and to the neighborhoods and to the districts as you can, or as you as you would to a valued NPC that's going to become like a reoccurring a reoccurring character in your game because the more rich and vivid the locations are, the more people will want to go back to them. You know, they'll be like, oh, let's go back to that place that we can see in our mind's eye. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It, it establishes a language uh, uh, of creativity for the game. Totally, totally, yeah. Um, Go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, exactly. That's uh, that's exactly it. I think that's where the most of my uh, prep goes into. And then, um, of course, you know, you, you try to think out, like, some cool set-piece scenes. You don't want to railroad people necessarily, but you think of what are some cool things that we can create in this setting, like uh, interesting uh, events or, um, yeah, just sort of challenges to put forth to them, like these bombs that you can that you can drop on the players um, at, at appropriate times in the story uh, to, to get things to move forward or, or to create something that is that is impactful. Um, so I think prep wise, that's, uh, that's mostly what, uh, what, what goes into it. And, uh, I would also recommend, yeah, if you're a new GM, try to, if you, if you describe a few locations, that's a really, that's a really good place to start. Cause then once the, the location feels okay and you have an idea of, well, who are the NPCs that you're putting there, then the rest will just sort of come naturally. Um, and you won't have to like stumble on your words as you're trying to describe how a building looks like or, uh, or, or smells like, cause you might not have that language like readily available in your active uh, vocabulary uh, that's something that i especially find when i have to gm in english which is what i do mostly now it, it's not my native uh, language of course and if i haven't like prepared some of that before then i just end up using like the very basic sort of adjectives that, that i have to, to describe things and then it doesn't really it doesn't really pop in the same way and that's why what prep is really really crucial for mm. me at least that is such a strong tip. I hope that people are listening to that because that is such a strong tip. And I will tell you that English is my native language and I still feel that where like, you know, your brain can only multitask so much. And if you're sitting there and you're trying to generate the environment as the players are encountering, encountering it, you're going to deny yourself the access to the full depth of your vocabulary and you're and, and really and this is this is like a, a problem with any creative person which is that you're just going to start telling the same story over and over again like the villains are going to start looking the same the locations are going to start looking the same like take the time on the front end to in, to use that part of your brain that you can't necessarily access spontaneously and um and 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 go against the grain on what your natural instincts are sometimes right yeah definitely so, okay, so I, I know that you're a busy man. You got a lot to do. I got one more question for mm -hmm. you. Let's say two. We got two more questions. And uh, so so you're living in Japan. You're from Sweden. What have you learned from living in Japan and interacting with that culture, immersing yourself in it for 12 years, no less, that you can take and you can put into a horror role-playing game? What can you distill down to us as being a takeaway i think like life in japan is is really it's living among so many people especially living in the tokyo area where i am at there's people everywhere you know i come from the 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 woods of sweden where there's you know you were lucky to see a person if you went outside you know but here there's just people everywhere and you are among people all the time but at the same time you're of course completely isolated because 
like in modern society, pretty much wherever you go, but especially in Japan, you don't talk to anyone else. You know, you are in your own little bubble and you're walking around. And and I know that this is something that a lot of people struggle with in this country, like this isolation, you know, uh, being alone uh, among people. Um, and Japan has a lot of issues with that, like uh, people people who are shut-ins, like this hikikomori, for example, people who never leave their homes, except maybe they go out at night to the local convenience store to buy some food. Um, and there's just so much like existential horror that you can work with uh, when it comes to Japanese culture, especially the, the, the recent Japanese culture, or, or the fact that this is a dying country. The population de- decline today is at its highest ever. The fertility rates are super low, and we're going to be dropping below 100 million uh, people in this country within the few coming few decades. So this feeling of being in this sort of sinking ship, almost like the feeling of doom and, and gloom that you can have here. Um, there, there's so much to tap into there uh, and to work with. And I'm really looking forward to doing something. I really want to do something with Japan and with, with Tokyo for cult in the future. So I hope we'll, we'll be doing something for that uh, on the show as well, because there's so much to, to tap into. And it's, it's not uniquely Japanese phenomena either. It's stuff that I think most of the uh, most of the developed world is is, is facing uh, when it comes to sort of how society is developing, how we are all connected, but at the same time all alone. Um, and for horror, of course, it's just so much that you can you can work with there. Um, and like to really create those feels, to really create yeah. that immersion, and like get people to feel those goosebumps when they're playing. Uh, that's really what uh, what I think you can take away from uh, from Japan. That's that's intense and that's powerful. And I hope that I hope that the cult is out there listening. I hope I hope we are uh, going to integrate that into our role playing. I know I am because <laughs> that was that was that was a hot take. Um, all right, man. Last question: What's next for Red Moon? What do we have to look forward to? Tell us your plans. All right. Well, so right now we're doing No Man Is an Island, which is of course our Vampire Fifth Edition Chronicle. Uh, we'll be dropping a bunch of uh, one shots. Of course, we do a lot of those. We're trying to maybe slow down a little bit now because we feel like we've we're almost burning ourselves out. We've been dropping uh, content at such a ridiculous pace li- lately. Uh, but so we, fast. Yeah, uh, it might be too fast. Sorry if, if that's the, the case, guys. But uh, hopefully you can enjoy it uh, later on as well. This is evergreen content, after all. Um, we got Delta Green. We've just, uh, we just recorded Ooh. Delta Green with Shane Ivey from Arc Dream. Uh, there's a scenario called Kali Gotti, uh, which is set in, I believe it's in Afghanistan. Um, super cool uh, session there uh, that the guys played. Um, we, of course, have Traveler that I, I just mentioned. Um, today, we are dropping our playthrough of The Veiled Society for basic Dungeons & Dragons, um, which we played with the podcast Fear of a Black Dragon. They were uh, any uh, any award-winning. Um, so we had uh, Tom from over there come over and DM us through that uh, old module. It's from 1984, so same year I was born, uh, which was really cool. And we, for that one, by the way, we reached out to... Are you familiar with Heimat der Katastrophe, the uh, label that does like retro dungeon music? Oh, no, I am not. Well, so basically they've taken the, the sound of like dungeon crawlers from like the 80s and early 90s, you know, the... Like really that old computer uh, style synths, and there's this like, genre like a chip called chip tunes. Almost, kind of thing. yeah. Like so, this is a genre called a dungeon synth, <laughs> which is just yeah. Awful. Oh, I've heard of dungeon synth for sure, yeah. for sure. And basically, that's what they do. They do uh, dungeon synth, uh, 
And they release that uh, content on cassettes. So they're selling these cassettes <laughs> that has it. So they go full retro. Um, so we reached out to them and say, hey, hey, can we use your, your stuff in, in this old Dungeons and Dragons thing that we're doing? And they were super stoked uh, about us doing that. So uh, that one will be dropping uh, today. So you can have a listen to that. Um, and uh, other than that, we've been doing a lot of work with Matthew Dawkins, who is, of course, an amazing creator uh, over at uh, Onyx Path. Uh, the man has a lot of darkness in him, as you may know if you've read, uh, you know, Becca's Jihad Diary and, and all the stuff that he's made for uh, World of Darkness. Uh, we will be doing more with him in the future. Um, and uh, yes, I, I shouldn't say more before we've uh, finally announced it, but uh, the World of Darkness and Matthew Dawkins, yes, that will be that will be happening very soon. Excellent, excellent. I'm happy to hear it, and I have to say, I'm ex- super excited about your uh, fear of the fear of a black dragon crossover episode. Uh, I love I love listening to Tom, and I love listening to that show. Uh, it's it it gets my highest recommendation. Um, if uh, people are looking for uh, for a podcast to listen to that's about like essentially like old style games, I mean it's that's a fantastic podcast. I'm so glad that you guys are working together. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so, been so fun to to reach out to other podcasts. We we did, for example, for Stormbringer, we worked with uh, the Grognard Files, which is another. Um, yeah, a highly, highly rated show. And, and that was also super fun. You know, like we share this love for old games and we could do something together. Uh, and that was oh, those guys fun. are so great. They are so great. <laughs> yeah, they are. They truly are. And, and I just have to say, I mean, you, you segue perfectly. I just have to say, you guys have been such a strong ally to Full Metal RPG. You guys have opened so many doors for us. You guys have, you in particular... Uh, have have really forwarded our agenda and got us into places that we wouldn't have gotten on our own. So I just really want to say thank you so much for everything that you've done to us, for being such a strong ally, for always showing up, for always being so patient and understanding. I mean, really, like, 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 it's an embarrassment of riches. It's an embarrassment of riches to be affiliated with you guys and to be the beneficiary of everything that you have done for Full Metal RPG. And I just want you to know how appreciative we are. Thank you so much. That's really great to hear. And, and, but I mean, the reason that we're doing it is because you guys make fantastic, awesome content and really love that you exist as a podcast out in the, in the community. So we want to make sure that you, you get to work with some of the people that, that we're working with and like cult especially, you know, we have a great relationship there. So it was super great to be able to help connect you with, uh, with Robin and, and with, uh, with Petter there. And yeah, we just, we just want to keep them coming, you know, because I think we are, we're on the same side, uh, in the community. And, and I, I hope that we can become stronger together. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this one's going up. This one's not going to sit in a, in a box somewhere. Thank you so much for being on the show. Cultists. We got another. Cult Divinity Lost core book available for free, shipped to you anywhere in the world from Helmgast, from us at Full Metal RPG, from Matias for putting it together. Get on the Instagram, find us on IG, that's Full Metal RPG on Instagram. Find out how to win it. Get that book. Matias, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you. Uh, and to all who are listening, have a great night. Yes, have a great night. Thank you so much, Brandon. <laughs>